Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Hello legends, hope you're having a cracking week, no bullshit, just cruising, enjoying life and ready for another week of the greatest game of all. Time to relax for the next half hour or so, we're about interviews, we're not about opinions, this week's episode no different, huge, here's who's on, Clint Gutherson, Dale Finucan, Curtis Sirenan, Elliot Whitehead, Greg Bird, a couple of surprises too, let's rip in. 2nd of June 2012, Canterbury versus South Sydney at ANZ Stadium. Dale Fanuk, and that was your debut game, mate. What do you remember of it? Yeah, I was um, I was really excited, obviously, when I got the call to, to make my debut. It's funny, I think, you know, speaking to my manager a few weeks later, I think Des had a different plan to possibly debut me. And I think it was because I'd been 18th man a number of times. Yeah. I'd probably been eight, you know, five times that year. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that an opportunity might have been around the corner at some point soon. And, you know, speaking to my manager a couple of weeks later, he said that I think Dez's plan was for me to be 18th man and then tell me during the warm-up that I was going to be making my debut. Wow. So <laughs> I'm very glad that that actually wasn't the way that it unfolded. It probably, probably would have been okay because it wouldn't give me any chance to have any nerves or think about it. But uh, I was grateful to be able to find out during the week that I was going to be playing. But... Um, yeah, obviously, you know, I probably played, I think it was 25 or 30 minutes in that first, in the, my first uh, game in first grade. And I remember at one point I was, you know, getting pretty overzealous and I was standing beside Mick Ennis at the time. And um, it was a really tight game, actually. And I'd sort of try to fly out of the line to try and put a shot on Sam Burgess, I think. And rather than put a shot on Sam Burgess, I think all I've done was um, smash Mick Ennis off the tackle. <laughs> And he's offloaded it and passed to maybe Dylan Farrell, I think, who's nearly gone the length and ran 80 metres. And uh, I think Benny Barber literally tackled him over the corner post, um, you know, and that would have put them in front. And that was at you know, maybe five or ten minutes to go in the game, I think. So, um, you know, that's a pretty fond memory of, of nearly losing the game for, for the boys on my debut. But, um, yeah, very fond memories. It was sort of uh, made very special. I think we went out that night. I think, you know, James Graham, um, Greg Eastwood, um, Nick Ennis, there was a lot of you know, boys that come out and celebrated afterwards. And I just remember, you know, how how special I felt. Um, you know, obviously everyone's excited when they make their debut, but, you know, how special they made that moment feel for me, um, you know, during the game and after the game as well is, you know, a moment that I'll never forget. Do you now do the same for younger blokes making their debut? You go out of your way as a result to make sure they know how special the occasion is? Yeah, as I said, I, I remember how special I felt, you know, yeah. when older guys especially sort of got around you and 
and made you feel really part of the team and, um, you know, really honoured, you know, obviously the journey that you've gone on to get to where you are to be able to have your dream come to fruition is, you know, is really exciting. And, you know, to be able to do that now for our younger guys, you know, I, I like to, you know, I think that I'll make the effort to make that feel special. And that's probably something that, you know, we pride ourselves on at the Storm as well is really honouring, you know, the, whether it be a milestone game yep. or whether it be something to do is, um, you know, making that person have a really fond memory of, you know, whether it be their debut or a milestone, you know, to look back on it being a really good memory for them. Thanks for stopping in, buddy. It is always a pleasure. Thanks, Eddie. The 2019 Grand Final was a controversial one, one we won't forget. However, from a negative came a positive. We saw a club, a side and a coach display the type of attitude the type of class and dignity we could all aspire to. Instead of blowing up and blaming, the Canberra Raiders publicly accepted what happened, a referee's confusion. A key decision changed in a split second that may or may not have cost them the chance at a premiership. They didn't whinge, they didn't complain, they didn't sook, they just stood up. I thought it showed everything good about our game. Elliot Whitehead from the Canberra Raiders joins us. Looking back, are you proud of how you and the club handled what could have been a very difficult and delicate situation? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think um, one of the main things we spoke about after full time and, you know, it was disappointing the way we lost and stuff. And, um, you know, we probably had the right to talk about it, but we also sat down and said we had many other opportunities to win that game and we didn't take them, so... Um, in a sense, it was half our fault as well. You can't just blame the referee for his mistake. People do that, and um, you know we just had to move on. Um, we've got a great side, and we have the belief and confidence that the next twenty twenty one we can we can go all the way. So we'll be training hard, and hopefully we can do that. We often talk in rugby league about personal character. I thought this was the ultimate test because it would have been really easy just to blow up. That I mean, that's what we do in rugby league. We blow up first and we think later. You guys actually thought first and made a calculated decision. Yeah, 100%. Look, we didn't want to look like the babies and cry. You know, we we had the opportunities there to win that game and unfortunately we didn't take them on the night. So, um, yeah, one of the main things Dickie's really done with a lot of the boys has matured them and, yep. you know, I reckon if that were 2016, we probably would have sucked about it and looked like babies, but, you know, we've all we've all matured, and we knew we knew. Like I said, we keep saying we had the opportunities there to win the game, so it went down to us as well as as well as that mistake from the referee. I think Ricky is an absolute beauty. Um, he cares as much about football as he cares about you, young men, as young men, and it's all part of the learning curve, the journey that you you go on. and And I thought this was a great example set by Ricky on that night. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think um, Ricky himself, I think he's grown up a little bit in coaching. He's, he's learned a lot how to handle his players a lot better and stuff. Um, when I first signed here, everybody said, why am I signing for Ricky Stewart? But, you know, since I've been here, he's been great and he just expects you to be honest and work hard. And, you know, that's the culture we set at our club now. And um, all the boys uh, buy into that and uh, we have a good relationship with coaches as well. Very special time at the Raiders these last couple of years. Uh, the GF in 19, one game short in 20, and still a cracking roster. You get the feeling it's an exciting couple of years ahead. 
Yeah, definitely. Look, we like um, I've said before. You know, we've got great depth as well. That, that's very um, positive. You know, yeah. if we have injuries through the year, we we've got boys to fill in that we know they can do a job. We've seen that over the probably the last two years, the young boys fill in and have done a job. So, and we've got the belief and confidence and stuff. Um, you know, everyone probably says at the same time of the year that they've got the confidence, but we actually do. And you know, we've we've proved what. Um, type of club we are now over the last couple of years and you know I believe other clubs look at us a lot different than what they used to do when I first came here. Thanks for the chat. Thanks for the honesty. Chat soon, Elliot. No worries. Cheers. Griffin Air Conditioning, the best of the best, servicing the Sydney metro area. Galaxy Finance for all your financial needs, concerns and questions. Both companies are offering special deals for unfiltered listeners. Contact them Tell them you heard about them on Unfiltered. They will sort you 100%. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. A cracking legend series interview this week with one of the game's finest with a record to die for. I sat down for an hour with Darius Boyd, a two-part interview. It's a must-listen. Back to footy, three years at the Dragons, three years at the Knights. What's the difference representing Queensland then returning to New South Wales as a resident the morning after? Very different as opposed to returning to the Red Hill Broncos dressing room after mm. Origin, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's a different feeling. I think, um, I suppose you've one hand Queensland dressing sheds turning back to up to Red Hill or Broncos. You, you know, everyone's proud of you. Everyone's you know, was cheering for you, yeah. and um, you know, and, and all the fans are in the streets and they're still wearing their Origin jerseys for you know weeks after. Um, in New South Wales, you have I don't know a little bit of just like a just a little you know smirk on your face, a little yeah. bit of you're walking a bit taller, walking on your toes, just like you know that. Everyone watched it. Everyone was going, hating and wishing you weren't going to score or yep. do well. And um, not, I wouldn't say cockiness or arrogance, but that level of you know just um, you know, pleased. And um, you know, and most of the time we had uh, the Dragons, especially being a couple of New, Newcastle, we had a couple of you know New South Wales players in both teams. So you always talk about the game, and everyone would be giving each other a bit of stick. And yeah, yeah it was either it was, it was enjoyable in different ways. And and we didn't win every game either. We won most of the series, but mm. we didn't always win every game. So. They got their little fair share of you know enjoyment and excitement, and but majority was um, yeah for us. From Dallas Johnson has been poleaxed a couple of times in his most recent Origin matches. As I said earlier, wearing the headgear tonight. Quickly across the line, Harrison on. English with the fend, the big fend from English steps over the forty, over the thirty, draws the last line, and Darius Boyd will go all the way. Queensland get the first try of the night. Jonathan Thurston operating on the left-hand side. Prince to the right, and it was just a great fend from English to get rid of, firstly, Mark Gaznia, and then to position he had Jonathan Thurston on his inside, Boyd on the outside, and the ideal start for the home team. That origin side, or era, is probably a better way to put it. Unbelievable, and it will be looked back for as long as the game has played as quite possibly the best side ever. Is it something you think about, something you're unaware of, or something you're proud of? Oh, yeah, definitely proud of. I think um, it's something I've probably, now that I've retired, you probably reflect a lot more yeah. uh, and think about 
you know, how lucky we were to be in those, or myself personally, but as a, just a group and to be mostly injury-free and, and keep mm. the core group of that team together. Um, a lot of guys played a lot of numbers of, of games just because, you know, pick and stick and we were successful and, mm. um, you know, really got a lot of, uh, a really great bond um, in those, you know, six weeks you'd spend each each year and, and some of the my better mates in, in football are from those teams yep. purely because I think, you know, with success and uh, comes, you know, I suppose that teamwork and that culture and that mm. really good environment. A lot of, you know, players had kids over those years and mm. the kids have grown up and the wives have become friendly and, um, you know, it's just a, it was just a really good, you know, good experience and Mel, Mel created that with, you know, the culture and what he d- drove um, and then Kevy took it on those last couple of years that I was involved as well and, you know, ex-players around. It's just, a, yeah, the way the media builds it up, the way it's, you know, loved and hated between different mm. fans and rivalry, just the whole build-up, the whole excitement, the whole, you know, six weeks of it. Um, it's, it's hard to say there's a much better place to be in rugby league. The Legends series, I love it. I hope you do too. At any time, you can go back and listen to a Legends series interview. Actually, you can go back and listen to any of our podcasts. All are timeless, so it actually doesn't matter when you listen to them, even though you may not have heard them when they first came out. They're timeless. They're ready for you for when you're ready. Next week, legendary rugby league player, broadcaster and administrator, Peter Peters like you have never, ever heard before. We grew up in an era where there were great broadcasters like the late, great Frank Hyde, who I loved from the day I met him, um, for old Tiger Black, for uh, Cole Pierce. Um, and, you know, as a kid, I dreamt and used to start calling footy games even while I was playing uh, down in Wollongong in, in junior footy games. And even into my senior career, um, I remember a game at Penrith where Manly beat Penrith 70-7 to and one of my old Parramatta teammates, Ronnie Lynch, the great Ronnie Lynch was playing for Parramatta and um, I, uh, I was lucky enough to break through. Everyone broke through that day and I started broadcasting it and Zorba's through and he's going to score. No, he's going to give it to Fulton and Fulton scored. Well, Ronnie Lynch said, that'll do me, Zorba, when you can broadcast the game, I'm walking off. And he walked off. <laughs> Question, what's the greatest sound in the world? But what's better than cracking a coldie? Cracking half a dozen. This is Six Pack of Superstars revealing our top six. Six Pack time, and when your name is Sirenin and you're built like a small block of housing commission flats, you can sink the first few without touching the sides. Curtis Sirenin has lobbed your best or favourite six players growing up, mate. Who and why? Um, I was, yeah, thank, thanks, Eddie. I, I was a massive Tigers fan. Um, so there's a few Tigers, uh, ex-Tigers, especially around that era where they, where they won that comp. So, But first, my favourite player growing up um, was Gareth Ellis. He was a back row for the, the, yeah. the Englishman for the Tigers. Fabulous back um, row. He was just, mate, I, I was actually lucky enough to, I played one game with him too. So I sort of, from watching him as like a 13, 14-year-old, I got one game with him. Um, which is something I always remember. Um, but just his aggression and he just used to just carry the ball so well. You see Benji putting him through for tries all the time yep. and, and and smash it. I remember playing under 20s and, and watching him play afterwards. He was impressive. So he, he was my favourite player growing up. Um, set, my second favourite player was Beaver. Yeah. Um, 
big try scorer and back rower, um, which is something that I wanted to be myself. So um, he was my second favourite player, and you know I got to end up going to Manly too and playing playing his position at Manly. And I, you know you occasionally bump into him, and you know he'll give you some advice, and that's just something that they're they're just like I'm fucking starstruck, even yeah. though I've been around it for a bit now. It's still you know they're they're the moments you know you see guys like that, you're just like wow. So yeah. Um, thirdly. I'm going to have to say Billy Slater. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I got the verse Billy as well, but just like mate, I was sort of, you know, a teenager, just really, really starting to really sort of know what, you know, learn footy and um, playing all the junior reps and stuff. You obviously looking at who's the best and, and you know, Melbourne and Manly were always going head to head, but yep. I just loved watching him. He was just, his speed and, um, Oh, just I don't know, just everything. His positional play sort of changed. He was great to watch whatever back. he was doing, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just unreal, mate. He was um, just his speed and some of the tries he scored. So I'd have to say Billy, um, Greg Inglis as well. Yeah. I'm going to say Greg Inglis yeah. just for a lot of the same reasons. Just fucking, you just knew, like when you sit down on a Wednesday night, getting ready to watch Origin, you're just like, oh, please, just don't let him just kill us again. Yeah. Um, and he usually did. So um, I'm going to say GI. Yeah. Um, I've got two more, don't I? Um, Are you going to have to put Dad in there somewhere, aren't you? Uh, I didn't really watch him, but to be honest, okay. like when I when I go back and you know, I, I sort of I've watched some of his games, but not enough to be like um, he's one of my favourite players. So which yeah. <laughs> will probably piss him off. <laughs> I don't know. Can I can I say like there's a couple current. Really current players, I, yeah. I could say. I've got to say Teddy, my yeah. one of my good mates. So, um, from you know, he's the same age as me, but like, wow, what a player, man! Like, even when was 17, 18 coming through, like, he'd had his injuries, and no, you but I don't know, I just played a few games with him. I, was, I remember telling one of my other good friends, um, probably when we we're like 19, I was like, mate, he's he, he's like, and he'll play for Australia one day, and yep. you know, he was, I think he played one game and done his knee. Yeah, but you just knew, you just knew, like he's growing up with him, how good he was, how hard he worked, Agreed. and then he just kicked, kicked and kicked again, and he just, you know, now he's the best player in the world, and it's just like, wow, yep, fucking, you know, it's it's very surreal. So Teddy, Teddy, and then my good mate, um, Jakey Trebojevic, he's he's the last. We want to go to war with him. Trust me, like he he would he would rather die than lose, and he's the sort of bloke when you. Put your boots on. You see, Jake's putting his jersey on. You're like, we're we're in, we're, we're half a chance today, just because he's he's ready to go. And he made he the passion. Like when we're in the sheds, if we're de- down by a little bit, he's he's nearly in tears. He's like, please, like, come on, we got to do this. Like, like it's I know it's a game, but you just when it means something like that to someone, you just said fires you up as well. So, and he's such a good player, mate. He's that fucking tough. So, of oh, Jakey T, he's my he's my rounded it out for me. Yeah, that is a cracking six. Gareth Ellis, Steve Menzies, Billy Slater, Greg Inglis, James Tedesco, and the great Jake Travojevic. Always a pleasure, Curtis. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks, Andy. Want to know what's coming up on the podcast? Well, stalk us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Andy Raymond. Share the love and share the posts.
Speaking of social media, I asked this question earlier in the week on the Unfiltered Facebook page. It's in regards to the crackdown on high tackles and, as a result, the sin binnings, the send-offs and those getting suspended. First up, I'm all for player protection. That must be the most important element, without doubt. But what we're seeing at the moment, I think the vast majority agree, it's fucking over the top. We want 13 on 13. We don't want to see dozens of the game's superstars suspended every week. So the question was... How do we encourage and reward legs tacklers? Here are just some of the replies. Ali Hajazi said, They engineered the game away from legs tackling since the wrestle came in, Andy. Problem now for defenders is footwork and hip movements of the ball runner. And let's not forget, players have stronger upper bodies these days, so the offload is easy for them. I personally would love to see more leg tackles. Agree, mate. Philip Collier said... Maybe allow the tackler to hang on a little longer like they do in a surrender tackle. It doesn't mean the tackler will be back in play, but at least it gives a reward and the defence extra time to set themselves. Love that, mate. Donny Nopke, the unofficial Mayor of Coolum, said, It may well mean that smaller, agile players get selected rather than the hulking giants we have today. This is already happening with the six again rules we now have. 50 years ago, a spear tackle was considered a great tackle. 10 years ago, the shoulder charge was applauded. Now that rule that has been there for years, that any tackle that makes contact with the head should be penalised, is being enforced as it should be. Yes, none of these tackles are deliberate, but they hurt and may cause serious trauma caused injuries, illnesses later in life. I stated last week that Craig Bellamy would be the first coach to adjust to the new interpretations. And guess what? No Melbourne players sent off on the weekend. Loved it, mate. Steve Lyons, former referee, my man, great fella too. I saw a good leg tackle by Saints player Josh Maguire the other week and he was sent off and given five weeks. I'm not a fan of his, but the tackle, it was pure accidental and what the game has come to. I and many others have lost interest in the game. Michael Jeffrey said, So glad you gave this a platform. I think one-on-one tackles around the legs should have a three- or four-second count as soon as elbows touch the ground. That's still about the same as the average play-the-ball speed. Right now, a legs tackle often ends up in a try the next play or a sin bin from a professional foul. Brent Tate used to do great ankle tackles and he got away with holding on for two or three seconds every time. But there's little reward as you have to get off quick. With the wrestle, they stay on for four seconds and three peel off. I think this rule would do more for open footy and bring back the traditional offload. It will give teams reward for the great tackling technique, allowing defence to get set but still see attractive footy. There'll be less crushes, less head highs if this was enabled. It's a no-brainer. You can't penalise accidents the way they are if you don't reward techniques that are less dangerous. Love it. Love all of them. Thanks for the feedback, legends. I value your opinion. I've got the best followers in social media, bar none. From 2006 to 2013, Queensland dominated State of Origin, eight straight series wins, and we've spoken to plenty of Maroons about their achievements. We've got part of the Blues team from all three games in 2014 with us. Josh Reynolds has dropped in. How much pressure was on this footy side to break the streak? Well, I don't. I honestly don't think we had too much pressure because I just think everyone thought we we're just going to get smashed. Yep. Same as every other year, you know. Like I think 
you know, for myself and for Trent, there was there was pressure because we were the new halves. Um, we were playing pretty good footy in club land, um, which is the reason we got called up. But it was our first Origin Series, you know, going up against this well-oiled machine. And, yeah, I, I definitely did feel the pressure as a, as, a, as a person. But I don't know if we did, you know, as a team. But um, it was actually so nerve-wracking for, you know, for me and him because, you know, uh, we went into camp and, you know, when we were at the Bulldogs and Des done a lot of the talking, like he was like, he'd give us our game plan. He'd step up and say, this is what you got to do. And it was easy. We'd just do our role and we were like, yeah, this is sweet. But then we get into Origin camp and um, Laurie Daly said we have to, you know, we're, we're pitching the training sessions to the team and then we're pitching the the game plan. And, you know, it was very daunting, like to be able to, you know, have to tell Paul Gallen and, you know, Luke Lewis and yep. all these folks that have been there uh, for so many years, it's it's a very daunting task. But in the end, I think it you know made me a a whole lot more confident footy player, and and probably the same for Trent. New South Wales won game one in Brisbane. Game two in Sydney was a very low scoring game with Queensland actually in front uh, in the final few minutes. Then an unlikely hero stepped up. Woods about five meters out from the line. Farrow, dummies, double pumps. Hodkinson, Hodkinson is over. What do you remember of that play, that moment? Oh, it just gave me goosebumps, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard that in a long time. Um, oh, mate, that's oh, the first thing I remember is me. I was the first guy there when he scored the try, and yes. I nearly took his head off. I sure got six weeks for it. <laughs> <laughs> I did say it was that excited. But uh, for him, like, that's just a, such a special moment. Like, he's, you know, like, I know we all say we broke the, the drought as a team. We did, as a, but, like, he's the one. Like, he yep. stepped up, man. And, you know, the funny thing was, like, he – you know, he's not probably known for his running game. Yeah. And that's the best bit about it. You know, he's he he directed that side around. He kicked well, he he tackles well. And I think um that's the best bit about it. And it was for him, I think it was a bit of a stuff you everyone saying, Well, here it is on the biggest stage ever. I'm just breaking a drought with a lazy, you know, fifteen meter break to to score a try to win it. So yeah, special moment uh, for him, like and and me as well. Being you know, being one of his best mates, I'll, I'll I'll cherish that moment forever. Was playing Origin just wearing the jersey a dream come true? Oh yeah, mate. That's and it's everything. It, it, it's what you you dream of. Um, you know, as a kid, I like oh, everyone wants to play Origin, right? Like that's that's what it is. That's that's the pinnacle. Everyone wants to obviously play first grade, but then if you get to play Origin, mate, that's that's crazy. And you know, but I don't think it's the same anymore. To be honest, um, in the fact of like. The hatred. I, agree. I, just, I, just don't, I just don't feel it's the same. And I mean, when I went into camp, so I go into camp with Farah, and I, and I sort of like I I knew Farah before camp and stuff, and um, you know, we sort of had a meeting at the start about what Origin means to a few of the older blokes, and then they asked us, and then Farah literally would tell us like like literally don't talk to Queenslanders, and I said yeah, like mucking around, going yeah, whatever. Like he's like, mate, I'm serious. Like do not talk to them. And I was like, what? Like during the series, he goes, mate, ever. He goes, when you leave, just they're, they're, they're different. They're yeah. different. Like, and I'm like, I just didn't know how much like hatred I had towards them. And then, you know, you'd have guys like Gao who like he's been there for years, lost and lost and lost. And they were the same. So, mate, you have to, to either hate them or you're an outsider in, in camp. So, mate, it, it, it's an experience, you know, of a lifetime. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, the, the hatred between the, the players, the fans, and, you know, it's why we all love it. 
Thanks for dropping in, mate. A series win for the Blues in amongst what will go down as history as a period of Queensland dominance. Are you subscribed to the podcast? Make sure you are. Make sure you're running the automatic downloads. Then the next episode drops automatically and immediately and you won't miss a thing. We marvel at the fullbacks and in 2021, don't we have an amazing group of number ones? And if you analyse closely, the really cool thing is they're all very different type of players. One of the finest has dropped on in. Clint Gutherson, like to get your thoughts on the strengths of some of your rivals. Sure, they've got multiple positives and, and all of them have got complete skill sets. But is there one thing in particular that stands out to you about them? Let's start with uh, AJ Brimson. Yeah, Brimo, he's just uh, he's just a ball of energy. He's everywhere on the park. He's um, I think we saw last year a few times when he was on the field, he, he could score from anywhere. And I think the Titans are in really good hands with um, with Brimo at the back. What about James Tedesco? <laughs> well, he's probably got the complete package, Teddy. But I think just the way he opens up a game from um, any position, he he could be just taking a dummy half run, and you just tackle, break three or four guys, and then and then go the length and set someone up. So I think just the way he can break open a game like that just puts sort of so much doubt in the defender's mind. Kalen Ponga, yeah, again, um, that step that he's got, he's yep. stepping past and um, everything that he does on the field. Uh, is sort of magic and uh, I think sort of the best for Kalen's yet to come and I think Newcastle should be um, very happy that he's with them. What stands out about Ryan Pappenhausen, mate? Oh, obviously his pace, he's he's yep. just lightning. He gets a half break and or even a half chance. There's a little gap there and I think the, he's so smart. His footy IQ is is so high that he, he pops up in the right spots and gives himself that chance with his speed because he's not the biggest bloke but just finds that half gap and just busts straight through it. He isn't the biggest bloke, but maybe the biggest fullback, Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. Well, obviously everyone knows how good he is. And I think at the back with the likes of Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds, he's going to go to another level. And um, he could he could easily become the best fullback in the game in a very quick time. And um, I think teams that are versed in him, you won't be able to defend him. He's, he's that big, he's that skillful, he's got a kick, and he can pass. And um, look, it's going to be special when he really finds his straps. We could go on and on. Gee, there's some talented fullbacks. Out of curiosity, who was your favourite fullback growing up and why? Uh, my favourite was actually the Snake. He's Brett Stewart. Yeah. He, um, he, when I was a kid growing up, I was always watching him and uh, I was lucky enough to sort of learn under him for a lot of years there. And we still keep in contact today, which is uh, pretty cool. He always buzzes me every every couple of weeks during the year and see how I'm going and um, catch up for a few beers. So it's um, that's a pretty special relationship that I always take. Thanks for dropping in, King. Good luck on the weekend, mate. Thanks, Andy. A real quick one. Greg Bird has dropped in, mate. You played your junior rep footy with Newcastle and also Michael Ennis. Was he a fucking pest back then? He was. He was always a pest. Um, Nothing changed from when... You play against him as a 15-year-old or you play with him as a 16, 17-year-old or, or at state of origin level. I think he was the same from when he was when he came out of his mum's womb. He just liked pissing people off. And uh, he was very good at it. He was very good at it, but he's also very good at footy. So I can't take it can't take it all away from him. In our actually ball green final, um, we were losing 20 to 4 against some superstars at, at Penrith. Um, they had Luke Lewis, Luke Rooney, Shane Rodney, 
Steve Turner, um, Frank Pritchard, George Rose. They had a pretty star-studded team and um, we were losing 20 to 4 at half time and he pretty much put the team on his back that game and, and brought us back and, and won us the game. So there's a little bit of a, a little bit of history lesson on Vicky. Um, he did, I think we might have even had fights at training, me and him, uh, back then in that team, but he couldn't take anything away from him, the talent that he brought to any side. Make sure you've also hooked onto Clarkie's RL column on socials as well, Facey and Instagram, Clarkie's RL column. Search for them, hit like, and join in the fun. There's about 150,000 other league tragics. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, give us some love. Go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then whack in a five-star rating and a review. As random and weird-ass as you like, Funniest Weekly Review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat. Yeah, bribery. Get to it, legends. That's how easy it is to win. There's a winner each week. This week's winner is Chicken Legs Oliver. What about this for a review? I get hard listening to this. Unfiltered is my Viagra. Yep. Thanks for the weird kind of creepy review and five stars, you sick unit. You win a cap, though. Proof, it really doesn't matter what you write as long as you do and give the five-star treatment while you're there. It helps us. We really appreciate it. Make it stand out like chicken legs. You may win. Or if writing something crazy isn't your go, give us five stars. Then let us know in your review the names of the guys you'd like to hear from. Past or present players, doesn't matter. Footy or other sports, doesn't matter again. We're just about to begin another massive round of interviews. We'll add your suggestions to the ever-increasing list. That's us for this week. Beer up, palmy up, pikey up. It's a simple formula. Guaranteed success. Catch you next week, you well-hung national treasures. 